A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bones. Sullivan making a very long run behind Dawson. As for McAdam, and squeezed in by Craney, and that's an amazing opening goal. Danny Craney, delighted, Jim Stewart disconsolate. So 90 seconds on the clock, and Celtic with their first full attack going front. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Four Times in a Podcast. Delighted to say we're joined by... An ex-Celtic player, we're joined by Danny Craney. Danny, thanks very much for coming on. How are you doing? It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on today. So we're just going to have a chat about Danny's career, his time at Celtic, and his time playing with the current Celtic manager. So we'll get to all that in due course. So Danny, hi, thanks very much for coming on. This all kind of happened. Big coincidence, mate, you're doing the, the Gallagate and the Brilliant Lynches when your brother was doing a bit of a DJ sets. Hi. <laughs> And and here we are. So I think I think the last time I seen you, I, I was maybe had a, a bit more alcohol in my system. So it's it's good to catch up sober. <laughs> no problem. Ah, you were fine that day as well, Anthony. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so just to start getting into football back in the kind of the seventies and eighties, was that always the, the dream for you to become a professional player? Ah, it was it was quite hard to be honest with you, Anthony. All my pals would be at the discos or drinking behind the local. Youth club and that, I know I was damn as out with a ball, you know, and I, I took quite a bit of stick for it, but I stuck at it because I knew what I wanted to be, you know. It was difficult, you know, your peer pressure, your pals making, making fun of you and that because all you're doing is playing football, but I got there in the end. Am I right saying that you were signed to Celtic by Billy McNeil? Actually, I was at Holy Cross Croy and I was almost ready to sign for Burnley, Anthony, and a phone call came through to my parents' house in Kosaic saying don't, don't do a thing and I signed an S form then when the manager at the time was Jock Steen Sean Fallon came through and signed got me to sign the S form so I, basically the manager when I signed as a 16 year old was Jock Steen when I signed profession terms as a 17 year old 18 year old it was Big Billy I, he was the manager well, That's two 
icons of the club to the greatest, the greatest ever manager and the greatest ever captain. So no pressure signing for them. What was it like, obviously, interacting with these guys? Obviously, when kind of 10 years earlier, it had been that they were the Lisbon Lions. I was... I know you hear it all the time, Anthony, people saying they went and watched Celtic since they were four. And I actually did go and watch Celtic when I was four. I went all over the world with my dad. Home, away. If we couldn't get to away games because of the journey or whatever, we went and watched the Quality Street kids at Celtic Park. You know, there'd be five and six thousand there watching Dalgleish, McGrain, McCarry. So I knew about the club and I was brought up with the, the values of the club and what the club stood for for an early, early age. So it wasn't that I was confident that I wasn't as if I was going into a club I knew nothing about, you know. I knew the expectations and what it meant for a club to be winning trophies on a regular basis. So it didn't phase me without being big-headed. You know, that's where I wanted to be. I guess that's the right attitude because you're going into a club that probably had a lot of of good strikers at the time. I read up a bit on you and I know that you won the the Daily Express five-a-side tournament at Wembley, is that right? That was quite a big gig at the time. And I know a lot of your listeners will know know about that, but it, it was at the time they sent us down. They wanted a team for Scotland, and they sent down a team of Wayne's, basically. The only one that was... Peter Latchford came with as the goalkeeper. It was myself, Charlie Nick, Willie McStay, John Weir, and Big Wally Garner. We just went down to make up the numbers... Anthony, um, we get through to the final to play against Southampton, who had Kevin Keegan in the team. You know what I mean? It was a it was a big thing at the time. It was on Sports Night BBC One. I've still got it in VHS, and it was a big thing to win it. Uh, we beat teams like first round we beat Watford, then we beat Ipswich, we Allen Brazil, and, that, and it, we then beat Man United with Lou McCarry playing and uh, Brian Robson, and then I says we beat uh, Southampton in the final. And they had Keegan, who's you know England's captain at the time playing. And I must admit, before before I'd done a bit of research, I'd never heard it myself. But it sounds it's not it's no longer it's no longer running, Anthony. But at the time, it was quite a prestigious event. The English clubs sent the, they sent their big guns to win it, and uh, we had a team of seventeen year olds and come up the road with the trophy. Did you feel at the time that was probably going to kickstart your career because you'd went down there, kind of? I tell you what, it did do, Anthony. It, it, showed that we weren't scared to play against these big names and the way we played at Celtic Reserve, it was all one and two touch. So in this tight arena, down at the Wembley Arena, you know, we played one and two touch and these these teams couldn't live with us. So I think even like to Bill McNeil watching it and us winning it, it maybe said to them, maybe these guys are ready quicker than I thought they would be, you know, because as I said, we were playing against the, what was the English First Division and it's the Premiership players that played every week and we were, we were we were teaching them a lesson. And then, I think your first, was it in February 82, you, kind of your first chance through quite a, a few bad injuries we had to the team at the time, is that, is that right? I, that? I first got into the team, Anthony, I, when I got my run in the team it was because of injuries. Charlie Nicholas had broke his leg, Frank McGarvey had broke his leg, David Proven had an injury so Big Billy was he was forced to promote from the reserves you know my first two games I come on as a sub against Partick Thistle at Celtic Park we were getting beat 2-0 and we end up drawing two each but still drawn against Partick Thistle at Celtic Park no great and then my second game come on against Hibs with 20 minutes to go and we were 1-0 down and I set Frank McGarvey up in the last minute just for a tap in and he, he Flashed over the bar, so I thought, oh, this isn't right. My first two games, two draws. But then my third game, we went down to Paisley, and we beat St Mirren 6-2. And some of the goals, I know you guys are a lot younger, but some of the goals that day in the 6-2 game were unbelievable. One-two touch all the way up the pitch. Danny McGrain, Tommy Burns, George McCluskey, you know. 
I was actually talking to George at the weekend, funnily enough. He was slagging my hair, and then I quickly reminded him that he's... He <laughs> that was the exact same. I, I, I read up, obviously, about the, the doing that you said given St Mirren as well. Just somebody you mentioned, obviously, playing with, with Danny McGrain. I've spoke to a lot of players that, that played with him, the likes of Brian McClare as well, who says he was just phenomenal. I'll, I'll say more than phenomenal. Anthony, anybody asks me, I don't have to hesitate, who was the best player you played with? It's Danny McGrain by a country mile. And I'll tell you how good Danny was, Anthony. Some people remember it. When I scored my goal against Rangers in 86 seconds, I played against Sandy Jardin that day. And Sandy Jardin taught me a lesson. Remember, it was, I learned so much from Sandy Jardin how to play against a good, good defender. Now, Sandy played right back for Rangers and Danny played right back for Celtic. Danny went and played left back for the Scottish national team so that Sandy could play right back. That's how good Danny McGrain was. Uh, everybody I've, I've spoke to about him just says world class, the best right back in the world in his, in his day. And some of the bits I play, obviously, I love Street 86 is one. I always remember the kind of one touch play in, in that yeah, game. Up the right, big... up the right, yeah, just, uh, I was going to ask, what was it like to score against them? That must have been a kind of a dream come true. I'm sure everybody listening would, would have done anything to score against Rangers. <laughs> it, was, it was great, Anthony, but I always prided myself on how I played and I don't think I played particularly well that day but I'm probably being a wee bit harsh myself we won 2-1 and it was a it was a, a, a big marker for going on to win the league you know as I said 86 seconds but the ball just trundled over the line but, but who cares you know it, it was in there and Tam McAdam got the second I think big Derek Johnson scored the last 15 minutes to make it a nervy ending but we got the three points and another victory against them you know can of beat beating them <laughs> never get never get tired of that <laughs> A second half hat-trick when Alan Ruff was in goal as well, who would have been the, the Scotland keeper at the time. So you obviously came into the team and just hit the ground running and were a big, played a massive part as one in the league in, the, in that season. I think, if I look back, I played, I think it was nine or ten games, uh, Anthony, and I scored seven goals. Aberdeen were on my tail and didn't give us a minute's piece. So I, I, a lot of people say to me I played a big part in it and I'm proud of what I've done. You know, I've got my league winners medal at home and a wee glass case on the wall. It's a proper, it's a proper gold medal, no, like the big cinch ones they get nowadays. And they only gave them out to 14 players in the squad. So it, it takes the pride of place in my house and that, aye, nobody ever take that away from me, you know. Also read as well, we went up to Tannadice needing a draw for the title, but lost 3-0. Um, obviously, we, we did manage to go over the, the line against St Mirren, I think, the week later. But when something like that happens, the nerves start to creep in, or was it a case of just re regrouping well, go again? Again, Anthony, I know you're a lot younger, but see the final game of the season. Aberdeen were playing you-know-who, Rangers at Pataudry, and had to win by five clear goals. And we had to either lose or draw at St Mirren. At Celtic Park at half-time, it was 0-0. And they announced the score at Petordia and it was 4-0 to Aberdeen at half-time. Jesus, that's quite similar to 86 when Hearts played Dundee and we were 4-0 up yeah. at St Mirren. It's kind of a really similar situation. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, Anthony. The guy you're talking about earlier, George, George McCluskey, Toby, he scored two great goals. We won 3-0 in the end up. But see, at 0-0, Frank McAvenny missed a sitter for them. In the first half, he went through and goal against Paki Bona and sclaffed it right into Paki's hands. But George scored two and Tam McAdam scored a header. We ended up winning comfortably 3-0. But at half-time, it was nerve-wracking. Uh, it would be, and especially if they're announcing the score, that's probably the only time Celtic fans would have been gutted to see Rangers 4-0 down at half-time. I know. I know it was a strange situation, but that was it. They were 4 nothing up. 
with the full time whistle goes and you've you've won the league title, what kind of feelings are that to actually be a, a league win, a league title? A wee bit of a shame, uh, Anthony, because all the players, all the sorry, all the players, all the fans come onto the pitch for all angles, and we couldn't do a lap of honour or nothing. We get presented with the cup, the league winning cup, just in front of the dugouts there at the main stand. But because of the amount of people that were on the pitch, the police wouldn't let us do a lap of honour. And that, that always stuck in my throat a bit. You know, I wanted to go around and share that moment with the fans, but they all come onto the pitch and we just basically get given the trophy and we're ushered up the tunnel. That is a bit of shame. You could have come back out and do a proper kind of lap of honour because that is a big yeah, part the police, of it. The police wouldn't allow it. Yeah, what, was, what, was the, what was the party like after it? What would you do after you won a league title? What would be the, the next <laughs> it was. Uh, it's a strange one, Andy. The club never put nothing on for us. We, we got together into a, a wee pub in Glasgow, the, the full squad, you know, just had a few drinks. And then me and Charlie and Nick went, went, went to, I think it was the warehouse nightclub. <laughs> Champagne was flowing. So I, it wasn't as if the club put, put on in for you. Like nowadays, you know, the, they go back to Celtic Park and they've got something laid on. And we've we, we done, we, we done it off our own backs. Uh, they were miserable bastards, saying I take it. They're still a bit tight, to be fair now, so no, no much has changed four years later. <laughs> Getting into the the next season, I think that's when Charlie Nick would have, would have left for Arsenal. I know Charlie Nick gets a lot of stick now, but he, my dad says he was the best player he ever seen growing up. He says Charlie I, I, Nick I'm was not just telling you, I'm not just saying this because he's... He's, he was my best pal at Celtic and still is, remains a very close friend. Danny McGrain was by far the best player I ever played with. Charlie Nicholas is the most skillful player I played played with. And I played against him at Arsenal when I was at Wolves. And I know the Celtic fans were a bit disappointed with him when he left and that. But I tell you what, he was a, he's a Celtic man at heart as well. I know some of these comments sometimes in the newspaper and radio, people think he's he's sticking the club in it. But he, he's a Celtic man through and through, Anthony. And one of the, no, the most skillful player I ever played with. You can already hear people shouting at their screens listening to that. No, no I know that. And I know that. Some of my family even, no, oh, Charlie this and Charlie that. And Charlie used to come through to Coastside and stay at my man dad's and my brother and sister are asking, what's he saying that for? And, you know, but he's a pundit now and you know what, they've got to say something, you know what I mean? Okay, I guess that's, uh, I mean, I'm sure they... He, he comes under a bit of fire. I've not heard them saying it. I think last season he bigged us up quite a bit, to be fair. He I did. Seen... I, I, think, I think he's really impressed with the way Ange plays football. It's his type of football, you know, rather than the stuff we maybe had in the past. And, you know, but I, I think he's a big fan of Ange. I think they've bumped into each other quite a, a bit up at that West End in Glasgow. Actually, I seen Charlie Nick. It was a Tommy Burns story at Celtic Park, and he was there with Danny McGrain. I think that would have been back in maybe be March, February time. So I seen him at that. And I think I seen him talking to people. I don't know if they're asking for questions, pictures, or questioning, questioning his, his columns. But no, I mean, gone gone with my dad told me. I respect of his, his his views or what he said. Apparently, back then he was a, a phenomenal player. I think one of the games he really turned up was at Ajax away. Am I right in saying that? Ajax away. I was on the bench, Anthony. Uh, we were uh, we drew two each at Celtic Park. Johan Cruyff played, and uh, Gerald Vanenberg. I think the wee boy went to Man United. The wee left winger played, and we were, we drew two each at Celtic Park. Great game, and we went over there, and it was one one. We were about fifteen minutes to go, and Charlie had scored the first goal, controlled it in his forehead, and bent it in the top corner. And Big Billy told me he got warmed up. I thought it was going on. And he said, no, sit down. And he, again, 
He brought on George McCluskey and George scored in the 89th minute to put us through. Oh, well, I guess from a team perspective, it probably a bit gutting you didn't get on, but as long as we get through. Aye. McNeil did two stints in as, as a manager, and he, he was the club's best ever captain. What was he like as a manager? How did you get on with, with Billy McNeil? It didn't matter what he said or done, Anthony. See, every time he walked into the dressing room, i just seen him standing in Lisbon with that big cup between his arms. That's, that's the image I had of him. Every time i seen him, and up until the day he died, and I'd met him a couple of times in Glasgow, that's all I remember. That big cup in his hands in Lisbon. You know, just incredible to lift that cup for us. I guess that's all the motivation you need that you're playing under such a, a legend, an icon, I guess. Any uh-huh. His assistant, Anthony. His assistant was more of the brains, John Clark, who's still at the club. John Clark was more of the brains. Billy was, he would pick the team and motivate us. But we, John, would come and say things in your ear, we coaching points, you know, and you would just think, wow, I've got to think more about the game and stuff. So they were a great partner. They were a great partnership on the pitch and they were a great partnership as the manager and assistant. That's quite interesting to hear the, the part John Clark played in it. He is one of the only... Um, but for, for me anyway, Anthony, I know no other players. He would just come by and say wee things and get you to think about the game. He once said to me when I got into the first team, if we'd 11 of you in the team, we'd get beat 7-6 every week and walk past me. And I was like, what is he going on about? And Charlie's like, think about it. You need to do more when we'll not get the ball and stuff. It's okay when you're on the ball. You know, he was a, a way ahead of his time in coaching John Clark. Anthony and a few players if you go back and ask the older players they'll tell you the same just wee one-liners to make you think about the game I'll remember that next time I, I get anybody else in the podcast for that either that, uh, ask, him about, ask him about John Clark and he's just no about in the, in, in the training field shouting this and shouting that just saying certain wee points to you at half time at full time or before a game and unbelievably get you thinking about the game and what you were doing just to kind of go into the 82-83 season, I kind of jumped to when Charlie Nicholas left. I know you didn't get much playing time during that season after you contributed to winning the league due to kind of McGarvey and Nicholas kind of finding form. Was that difficult for you or was it more a... It was, it was really difficult, Anthony, but you've got to look and see what's in front of you, you know. And we went to Canada on a pre-season tour and I was by far... Charlie was still struggling about his injury. Frank McGarvey was a wee bit overweight, so was George. And I was scoring the goals in the pre-season tour in Canada. And Big Billy took me aside and says, you're my number one striker. And another one that got in my head a wee bit, Anthony and thought, I'm in here. And the season started and he didn't play me as, number, as his number one striker. So it was, it was difficult. Even back then, Anthony, when the first team were playing away from him, if you played Hibs at Celtic Park, there might be 3,000, 4,000 there, you know. So the reserve league was still competitive and we were winning a lot of games under Ree Frank Connor and Jimmy Lumsden, his assistant. So I once you've had a taste of uh, first-team football, it, it, it's difficult. And then when Davey Hay came in, I had to go. Davey made it very clear that I wasn't in his plans. So McClare came in and then you basically left after that then? Well, Brian came in. Brian was the first to come in and I've no problems with that, Anthony. I don't know if Brian will remember his first game. It was a Glasgow Cup tie Fair Hill, we beat Partick Thistle 2-1, scorers, Craney and McClare, and I thought, we've got a wee chance of partnership here. And then Billy's next signing was Jim Melrose. Now, again, I'm not being big-headed, I was a better player than Jim Melrose, but Billy McNeil played quite a few quid for him for Coventry or something. So it was Brian and Jim Melrose who became the, the, the front two, 
as I was saying, it was a reserve game against Aberdeen at Celtic Park. We drew 2-2 with a decent crowd there and the Wolves manager was up watching Davy Moyes and went away raving about myself. So when I had a chance to go to Wolves, I had to go. And in fairness to Davy Hay, he got me a few quid out of the move. He lied about my wages and stuff and other stuff I was getting, which I wasn't getting at Celtic. So Davy was honest with me. He told me he wouldn't be on my, I wouldn't be on his, his team, but he got me a few quid out again. Fair enough. I mean, if that if the manager wants to, to go another way, I guess he can't really do much. How would you sum up your time at Celtic? You've played for your, your boyhood club. I wish it had been longer, Anthony, but as I said, scored against them, <laughs> won a league winners medal. You know, I, I think I scored, I played about 32 games for Celtic, scored 10 goals, which isn't bad, although I would have loved to have stayed longer and played longer. You, you've got to go and play first-team football. And for somebody growing up, and his father taking him to the game since he was 3-4 and playing for Celtic, you know, it, for me, it's, it didn't matter if it was one game or 100 games. I represented the club and a club that I still go and watch and all my family are season book holders, you know. Absolutely. I think I said that when I met you. You've, you've done what everybody would want today and that's when, when the league with Celtic and when you managed that. How was it upheaval and, and moving to Wolves and going down south? Was that daunting or exciting or a, a mix? <laughs> Funny, Anthony, they went down there uh, and the local derby was Wolves against West Brom. It's called the Black Country Derby. And we beat them 3-0. We were bottom of the league. Wolves, uh, West Brom were midway up the table and it was in match of the day. And I got interviewed after it and they says, how did you find it? How did you enjoy playing in front of 40,000? I said, try playing in front of 70,000 selling Rangers. You know what I mean? And they were like, what? It was like Scottish football didn't exist down there, you know? And you, you were telling them the time I played against Celtic Rangers at Celtic Park, there was at least 65, 70,000 there. Although the crowd of the leaves given out is 52,000, there were still the kids getting lifted over and all that. So I, I had to play myself to go into Wolves. Although the Wolves are a big club, nothing phased me down there. And we were playing against the Liverpools and the Man Uniteds. And, you know, we got relegated, but it was a great time down there, Anthony. I know you had quite a few different clubs as well. You were you're kind of, obviously we'll get to Australia, but you'd played in, played in Ireland and also played for Dundee and Kilmarnock as well. Yeah. Is there any club outside Celtic that was maybe your, your favourite experience? Well, Tommy Burns took me for Airdrie to Kilmarnock and that was a great experience again. We got promoted for the first division to the Premier League and just being back under Tommy, who'd been my teammate, who'd been a friend, who's now my, then my coach. Good times at Kilmarnock as well. Again, George was there. George and Tommy were a double act, so George was there at Kilmarnock. So I, I really enjoyed Kilmarnock. Good family club. And then obviously Tommy get prized away to Celtic again. I've, I've I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Tommy Burns. I'm always kind of fascinated about stories about me. Someday I would love to have, have interviewed him. What, what a football player, Anthony. But when I'm talking about Danny being the best player and Charlie being the most skillful, Tommy Burns is the funniest guy I have ever been in MD's company. Honestly, he just lifted... No matter what the mood, Tommy would lift the dressing room every time with some of his one-liners or jokes or stories. Just a special, special man, Anthony. I've heard countless stories about him. I know he's the reason Brian McClare was then named Chalky. He came up with that Chalky. back in uh, the Chocolate Claire. That was him that kind of came up with that <laughs> idea. And it's obviously stuck. He still gets called it. And yeah, that's right. Just, yeah, I think what you say is he just seemed like such a, a funny, funny guy. I don't want to get through your whole career because we'll be here all day, the different clubs you played for. But I just I wanted to ask him about, about playing with, with Ange Postacoglu, which is... Kind of mad how it's kind of came full circle and now he's, he's a Celtic manager. 
Aye. Well, I, I was at Dundee at the time, as you were saying, Anthony, and I got a phone call from an ex-schoolfriend who was playing for Hellas. Their full name is South Melbourne Hellas. But they were a Greek team in Melbourne, and they made me a great, great financial offer. I went over there, and sure enough, I'm playing left side of midfield, and we've got a young Ange Postacoglu at left back, tearing up and doing the pitch, shouting the odds like Kieran Tierney. You know, and I knew right away, it was only when I went there, he was 18, I think I was 21, 22. But even then, Ange would be questioning decisions that were made by coaches and all that, and senior players, and we'd all be talking about Celtic, and they were like, right, fair enough, Celtic's your club, but you're in my club now, Hellas, come on, let's show the same passion. So I, I've got to admit, I was surprised when I got the job, but the football is unbelievable, Anthony, it's incredible what, what he's done with that club, what he came into, and how we're looking now. Oh, 100%. I mean, the state we were in when he came in and then we were waiting on Eddie Howe and for him to come in and win the league and the cup in the first season, I thought was just, we've spoke about it countless times in the podcast. I just thought it was incredible and we've started off well this season as well. Aye, I was there on Sunday, well, come up the road just in time for the game. First half an hour again was scintillating, Tony. And then the wee 15 minute spell, Johnny Hayes should have scored for them. But we're going to get that the way we play, you know, as long as we can shut the back door. We'll score more goals in the opposition. And the Champions League will be a big test for us. I hope we get a couple of the big ones, you know, and maybe a Spurs down in England as well and go show people what we can do. As long as it's not one of the groups of death, I don't think I could, I could, I could watch No, it. I know that. I know that, but I don't. I don't care who we get, Anthony. Angel no changes philosophy. He'll go. He says I'll go down swinging, no matter who we play. So I think the nights at Celtic Park will be very, very special, no matter who we play. I think that's it. I mean, we know for a fact he won't change it. And I think it's just a case of whoever it is, let's have a go. And as you say, the atmosphere we've been out the Champions League for four years. So part of me is just delighted we're back in the big league. And if we can take a big scalp, it'll be a very, very special night under the lights, that's for sure. Definitely. You know, you got a Real Madrid or somebody coming thinking they're playing Navdies. You know, and you've got 60,000 at Celtic Park when the players get into the huddle. You know, they don't know what has hit them. I meant to ask you as well, what was it like playing over in Australia? Because back then, I don't think many people would have played there there. And it's become a bit bigger now. And obviously, Ange is, is a kind of legend of Australian football. It must have been a bit mental to go for Dundee to Melbourne. It, it, it was, Anthony, and it was quite like you were playing against... Like Hellas were the Greeks, you had Italian teams, you, you had Yugoslavian teams, Macedonian teams, Croatian teams. There, there was actually quite a bit of bother at some of the games, Anthony, with the rival fans. You'll see now they're not allowed to be called Hellas or Croatia, it's like Melbourne City and Sydney United and all that. So they get rid of all the ethnic names. But it was, I enjoyed it. It was like you were playing against teams and very warm, so. You had to be able to keep the ball and then maybe have a wee trick at the edge of the box. So the style of football suited me down to the ground. It wasn't about running about and challenging and, you know, how fit you were. So it really suited me down to the ground. But as I said, it was some of the atmospheres, you know, it was quite, quite tasty. I guess you would have been in good stead for that, having played in the Celtic D Rangers games at that point. I read as well, I know you need to remember, I'm basing this after the internet, so it could be total shite, but you came back to Celtic as a, as a coach, is that right? Certainly did, Anthony, and again, I, I probably respected, no respected the club more, I, as a player I took it a wee bit for granted, see walking through the doors again as a coach, I, I really embraced it and milked every minute of it, you know, and I worked with players 
who went on to play for Celtic's first team, Stephen Craney, Jamie Smith, Mark Burchill. Uh, my proudest one of them was uh, Callum McGregor. I had Callum till he was nine, coach's dream. And I told everybody about Callum McGregor when he went down to Notts County and when he came back. I had Dylan McGeoch as well, you know, so it was it was a really special time as a coach there. I really embraced it more as a coach than I did as a player. As a player, I thought I should have been there anyway. As a coach, I thought this is a second chance that a lot of people don't get, you know. Have you look at McGregor now, he's far and away one of our best players and has been so influential for, I think he's been eight years, he was, I think he was Ronnie Dyla gave him his, his start and... He's, yeah. he's just come on not, and, not surprising and at all Anthony and I know I told my sister my brothers watch this wee guy coming through and he went to Notts County when the Celtic under 21 squad were maybe beating Dunfermline 9 and 10 nothing and he went down to Notts County and played against grown men they beat Wolves 3-2 at Molyneux and Wolves wanted to sign him Anthony and were very very close to sign him Callum's dad asked me my advice about Wolves because I was down there and honestly he was so close to signing for Wolves that was when Neil Lennon was the manager and Peter Lowell. The Wolves came in and offered the money Celtic demanded and I think they caught Celtic off the hop. And then I think they were forced to maybe force him, put him into the first team. And he's he's by far our most influential player. By far. Ah, you seen it last season. First season at captain, filling in such big shoes and to, to lead us to the title. I think especially that away game and home game at uh, Rangers. We beat them 3-0 yeah. and 2-1. He really, he chased them. Yeah. Definitely. The British uh, Celtic Park when Barisic turns back <laughs> and he's showing up your shape back. You know what I mean? Just a leader through and through, but a top-class player as well. Ah, he's got all the attributes and I think we're, we're lucky to have him. And I think Andrew's even brought him on even more, so it's been a great part. Yes, definitely. With him as manager and him as, as a captain. I, I don't want to keep you too long. I'll wrap up here. What's your prediction for the season? How do you think we'll get on in the Cups, the Champions League and the league? How do you see it all going? Well, first and foremost, Anthony, we need to win the league again if we're getting out of the Champions League with the money that's guaranteed. And it's, it's a two-horse race. And if Rangers don't get into the Champions League and they play in that Europa League, and I hope they do, and they're playing on a Sunday and we're playing every Saturday, there's no way they'll be able to keep up the chase the way we, we've done over the past couple of seasons playing a day after them. If we go three, six, nine points clear, I don't see Rangers having the gumption if, to, to stay with us. So I think the league will be in the bag. You know the cup, anything can happen in a one-off game as it did against them in the semi-final. So it'd be great to win the treble. I hope we don't embarrass ourselves away from home in the Champions League. But I think the league's in the bag for us. I think it'll be a, a good challenge, but I think we will win the league myself. I think, as you say, the two yep. cups, but the cups have been excellent for so long. So I would make yeah. our favourites to win them. But again, anything can happen. Champions League. Fuck it, bring it on, let's see how it goes, I think. So the attitude we need yeah. for that. Yeah. Magic. Well, Danny, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. No doubt next time I see you, you'll be in Lynch's and we'll grab a beer together. I owe you a couple. So much appreciated. Thanks very much. Okay, well, a wee bit of uh, promotion here, uh, Anthony. My brother's on in the 20th of August again at three o'clock in the afternoon, so I'll be there at Lynch's. Uh, actually, I got an invite on Facebook there now. I'll actually, I, I accepted it. So, Danny's brother Paul Craney has got in lunches on Saturday the 20th of August, so make sure that you get down there. You'll see me and Danny up on the tables, singing, dancing, and hopefully Celtic will be further ahead in the league by then. <laughs> brilliant, Anthony, brilliant. Right, cheers, Danny. Much appreciated. Thanks cheers. very much, Anthony.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.